Hey, what's up? We have a big basketball edition of the Rosillo Show Pod, and this all comes together. This is something I've always tried to avoid. So for those of you that listen to me on Bill Simmons' podcast, we did about an hour and a half today up at his place in Hollywood, and we've been trying to book Zach Lowe for about a month, and it landed on this day. So I tried my best to get into some different stuff, but a lot of this stuff, at least for what it is right now, this L.A. stuff is just comical. For a team that's already saved their season twice, Saruti, they saved their season against the Celtics, then they didn't, and they saved it again against Houston, and then they didn't. What I think is the most interesting part of this, and I've, I've said this and I'll, I'll keep saying it. Remember when I was pointing out all of LeBron's problems on defense and that he just basically, it wasn't that he didn't care, it was that he didn't care and he blamed other people for defensive lapses yep. when it was his fault. And then I had all these Cleveland people come after me that actually covered the team. And it's weird when like media members come after you. And then I realized that you're just like, you have no credibility whatsoever, and I can't even believe somebody credentials credentials you to this stuff if you can't watch the game and see that he didn't play any defense. So last night and into today, this was a remarkable um, – these are new worlds, new waters, however you want to phrase it, that we were entering because before when LeBron didn't play defense or was indifferent or played against the worst offensive player that was a wing, which he's been doing now for two years. Okay, He's been doing this for a long time. He started off the season bad with L.A. He had a nice little stretch, and since he's come back, he's been indifferent. You know, He doesn't even get back sometimes. He's been doing this for a while, and when you look at his final stat line against Memphis, you're like, oh, what are you talking about, Rosillo? He was incredible again. That's how good he is. That's how good he is that he can actually put together these incredible games, but there's certain games, the game against Philly, where his final stat line's a little bit better because it was almost like he was rushing to get points at the end. This never mattered because whenever he was doing it in Cleveland, they still were a threat in the East. They came out of the East every single time, but this is the rule. The number one rule in all the stuff that we do if you win games, we don't really care, and when you lose, we care. And now the Lakers are outside of the playoffs, and with the remaining schedule, it looks really tough. I still think that this Lakers thing being disaster is a bit overblown because had he been healthy and you know they, they have a better record during those 18 games that he's off, you know they're still in the mix, certainly of a playoff spot, maybe not the four seed. But now that this is happening, and it's like, wait, is LeBron going to miss the playoffs? Like, dude, he's going to miss the playoffs. And then it's going to turn into like, how many people can we blame here? Who are we going to blame? But to see him spotlighted on Twitter last night and get up this morning and then everybody acting like this is new, it does make me feel like I'm the best person to listen to, so you're welcome. <laughs> but nobody was really doing this. Nobody else was really talking about it. And that's just my point is none of this changed except that they're not winning games. So to point this out and be like, oh, look what LeBron's doing now, this isn't new. This isn't new, folks. He's actually been better defensively for stretches with L.A. this year than he was last year with Cleveland. He was terrible last year with Cleveland. And if he wants to pace himself and it works and they get to the NBA Finals, that's awesome. But I just, this is a, this is a great, another great example of playing the results, which is something we all do. I do it sometimes too. But with this LeBron thing, it was really funny watching the shows, the studio stuff this morning going, wait a minute. Like now you guys are noticing this? No, did you guys do this? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, today, well, yesterday, you know, with Will, we did like the, you know, is LeBron being a good leader? Obviously, off of the quote, the well, had anything two- anti-LeBron at this point for Will is like he can't help himself. <laughs> right? And I get pegged as the pro-LeBron guy. Like I defend LeBron like a decent amount, but yeah, I still but criticize him all the time. I still think he. Do- I hate him on so. Hate's a strong word. I don't like his social media. I don't That's like fine. any of it. It's really corny. I didn't love last night, like tweeting out, oh, hey, top ten all time in points and assists after another that, loss. Though. 
I, 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 think, I probably not, but I just I don't yeah. I don't love it. I'm not gonna lie, I don't love it. But I also don't like I I'm I'm I agree with this. I don't think this Lakers team. I think we overrated it from the start. I don't think they won 35 games last year. I just don't think they. If this was like the Orlando Magic, we wouldn't be raving about how great their young core is. I think they're okay. They have some nice pieces. Yeah, I think they're all okay. But like we, I think we just all assumed. And and listen, they were what were they 20 and 14 before LeBron got hurt. And then, you know, he missed a ton of time and they are clearly not okay after he's, after he's come back. And, and whether or not you want to blame the Anthony Davis stuff or whatever, like they're, they clearly don't work. And honestly, the, the ironic part is like some of the young guys are the only guys that are actually playing well for them. Uh, yeah. I mean, Ingram, who I don't love all the time, has been on this nice little tear. And for Kuzma's deficiencies, at least I know he's bringing it every night. I mean, he's not great defensively, but. There's just a lot of stuff that you, that Kuzma does where you're like, man, you know what? This is, this is awesome to see this guy that's into it. Other pieces haven't worked out. The vets and all those guys have stunk for this, this second stretch. But when they were flirting with like the four seed, I still felt like, wait a minute. Okay. We know Golden State's going to be better. I still think Houston has to figure this out at some point. And it's remarkable that they have kept this thing going the way they have with all of their injuries and their brutal start to the season. Portland settled. And they're a top four team. Oklahoma City is my favorite team besides Golden State. Denver's a one seed, depending on the week. So, and even Utah. Like, I think the best version of Utah is better than LeBron and this Lakers team. So, I really, you know, thought they'd be in that six, seven, eight range. And now, with him being out that long, this whole thing has gone on. His answer to the quote, like, he does a thing where if, if you ask him anything about, you know, hey, what do you think about recycling? You know, or if you said like, "Hey, is recycling the most important thing?" You'd be like, "Well, you know, CO two levels are also a big deal." Like he he will he will find a way to kind of answer a question even if he's not asked it. But he was asked specifically about the distractions. So then it turned into this whole thing where it's like, "Why is he talking about this?" And you go, "Wait a minute, that was the exact question he was asked." So LeBron doesn't deserve to get beat up for that. But I'm I'm just warning how weird this could get if they miss the playoffs and if they don't end up adding the piece and he's going to get ornery and mad, and he's going to feel like the the front office has let him down, and that they promised him better results, not on the court, but in the transaction page, and all they have to do is get one guy to kind of put this stuff to bed, but I really think this is going to get weirdly ugly um, with the way he's going to be talking. He's going to be talked about in a way he hasn't been talked about now for like a decade, so... Uh, more, you're gonna see more and more stuff like, oh, he didn't get back on defense. There's no effort here. But I'm just telling you, like, this isn't new. He yeah. finds a way to pace himself within the game, and he's been incredibly impressive at it. Because the final stat line again against Memphis was sick. <laughs> so it, it, you're so right, though. It is, it is funny because like a lot of this, there were a lot of screen grabs and short videos last night of him, like you know, throwing his arms up in the air after a missed assignment or whatever, blah blah blah, not getting back on defense, not even getting, not even bothering to get a hand in a guy's face. And I, I, I remember last year you doing this. You, you were like kind of almost. You you were hesitant to even talk about like how you know how bad LeBron was defensively because he was, but it was so obvious to see. And now that everyone's sort of seeing it, but the, but and, and and here's the thing that you're so right about too is that like whenever he puts up a triple double, it's like oh my god, LeBron he's 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 aging like a fine wine. And we just we only play the result. That's all we ever do. Now it's so true, man. It's so true. And I thought the beginning of the year, I'm like I can't believe how well this dude is moving. Like, look how explosive he is. And it's honest, is it, it's honestly kind of, you know, he's 34. It's going to be, it, it, is it ridiculous of us to ask him to be so great on both sides of the ball? I think it might be. Like, we might even be asking too much of him at this point to do that, especially oh, on a team guys, that's not talented. Plenty of guys that remain stars in our eyes decided, like, the coaches go, hey, we don't need you chasing down the number one option for 40 minutes on top of carrying us offensively. So I'm not even knocking him for that. 
but there's just these moments in the playoff, like you get switched on to somebody and, and he stops somebody. It's like, oh, LeBron still has it defensively. Like, maybe in a possession. But I don't even think he's moving as well now. There's a couple things that I noticed in that Memphis game where I go, you know what, That's that looks like there's this weird thing that happens when you get old on the basketball court, but you can just – you plod and you don't glide. And I'm not saying, you know, LeBron is some plodding. It's not Dirk out there. But there's a couple times where I went like, yeah, this isn't this isn't as smooth as it looked in the beginning of the year. All right, I don't want to do any more on LeBron because I know you're going to hear with Simmons and I and then, you know, Zach and I are going to get into it a little bit here. But before we do any of that stuff, because I do have stock updates, and do you have a magic minute for us? Because I feel like I, we I, let I, down America. I do, yeah. With the, people were asking for it after the full trade, so we'll give them a little bit here. Okay, sounds good. I want to tell you about hiring because, you know, when I was out there, I was trying to find the next Saruti, but I couldn't find him, so I stayed with the old Saruti, and I couldn't be happier about it because hiring is a challenge. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. The place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. That's right. So we're going to throw a little promo to you here. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spots like the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N Show, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. The smartest way to hire. I actually thought about starting up my own thing because we were casting for the short that we were doing. Yep, pretty nerdy. No, I'm not hanging out at Deuce. But, you know, um, we wrote this short. It's going to be pretty funny. And I we needed a female. And I was really hesitant to go on Twitter and be like, hey, looking for a female actress, you know, 500 bucks for the day, blah, 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 blah. Because everybody would just be like, hey, dude, just join Tinder. Don't make it so obvious. Uh, what you're trying to do. But we legitimately needed an actress to say like three lines in this little short that I wrote for The Ringer. So uh, we won't be doing that now, though. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like we, I legitimately, they were like, hey, can you cast, we have this, this, and this. Can you cast the female and how you think it should work? And I'm like, oh, man. You know, what are you going to start doing? Hey, do you, uh, do you act at all? Oh, you do? Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're doing a, doing a quick quick short. Oh no, it's it's going to be funny though. Yeah, yeah, I wrote it. I have final draft. Okay, uh, Orlando Magic, just give us the cliff notes and then Saruti go like you've never gone before. Well, where do you want me to start? I mean, do we want to go all the way back to the Fultz trade? Mm, why don't you? I'd say you end with the Fultz trade and talk about what was it five in a row and then they lost a game. So right when everybody yeah. wanted it, then they lost. Yeah. So, so well, just kind of give us that. Well, everybody definitely wanted it after the Fultz trade because I was very much pro. So I'll get, I'll get to that at the end. How pro were you? Oh, yeah. All right. I'll just wait. I'm going to lay out. Sorry. Yeah. So Shut listen, five straight games, five straight games they won before the All-Star break, all by double digits. They were just, they were, they were murdering dudes and it was awesome and they looked good and it, and honestly, defensively, they looked good. Um, it finally looked like Aaron Gordon, Isaac, Isaac, who I still think is the, is the player that I think has the most upside on the team, even though like he, he's good defensively, but if he ever figures it out offensively, and I know we always talked about this on the podcast that like we always say, oh yeah, if he just figures it out, he'll be great. And most times they never do figure it out, but I still have my hopes up for him. Um, 
So they were looking great. And honestly, and, and they had a terrible, terrible, terrible loss to the to the Bulls the other night. And then they followed up by beating Toronto. Granted, no no Kawhi, but beating a good Toronto team on the road. This is who they are. They are a they are a you know Jekyll Hyde type deal. They're amazing one night. They're terrible the next night. But I think I texted you this the other night. I think they're almost a guarantee to make the playoffs because that division is terrible. Um, you think they, they're the best division team? I think they're the best team in the division. Not only do I Whoa. think they're the best team in the division, I think because if you look at the schedule, Whoa. I believe the Hornets have a have a brutal schedule down the stretch. The Heat have a brutal schedule down the stretch, and the Magic actually have I think one of the top five most easiest schedules left here on out. Um, Magic also, by the way, who swept the Lakers this year. What's up, Kyle Kuzma? Uh, I will, and I will say this: if they yeah, you get, didn't like that, you I took did that not. Personally. You I didn't, and I realized you were a resident of Jupiter. Yeah, for Ayo, those, for those that, don't, that, that, that don't know what we're talking about, so basically, Kyle Kuzma Almost said everyone said to, yeah, exactly. So, so <laughs> Kyle Kuzma said on some interview, like when he was asked about being, you know, bash in L.A., he's like, I'd rather be bash in L.A. than popular in Orlando or something. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. Yeah. Right. And that just, you know, that made me angry. And I think a lot of that had to do with like he a did, lifelong resident of Orlando. Exactly. Not, and a lot of that had to do with he worked out for Orlando, I believe, and thought he might have gotten picked by them in the draft and it didn't end up working his way. So there might be some ulterior motives there for him. But I didn't love that too much. But I will say this. If Orlando, and I believe they will get the seven or the eight seed, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, because they, they kind of are these giant killers. They beat a lot of good teams this year. I know it's a whole different thing when it comes to a seven game series, blah, 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 blah. But they're the one team. I, I would say at the bottom of the Eastern Conference that actually could kind of be interesting come playoff time. Um, just because, listen, they've got, like, Vucevic has been, has been great all season long. The, the problem has always been that their guard play is terrible, um, especially at point guard, which then brings me full circle back to Mars, uh, to, to Marco Fultz. I loved the trade at the time. I don't understand why people didn't like it for them. They literally gave up nothing at all. They gave up, uh, they gave up Simmons, who was, who was, who had basically been beaten out by, by a, by a rookie. Um, he wasn't getting a ton of minutes anymore, and hell, he might even be okay for the Sixers down the stretch. But I wasn't mad at losing him, and they gave up a, 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 I believe, like a top twenty protected pick that wasn't even their own pick. I think it's OKC's pick. So you're real. There's really no risk in them getting Markel Fultz if it doesn't work out. All right, whatever. And if it does, like who knows? You can. You're probably never getting a guy with his talent in the building again, or at least for that low of a price. So. I'm pretty optimistic because I know a couple weeks ago I was not optimistic at all. I was very mad, and it, was, it had come from a, a recent stretch of, of some terrible performances they, that they've had. But I wouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, I'm going to book it. I think they're going to. I think they're a lock to make the playoffs, and I think they 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 might even win a game or two again. It depends who they play. Wait a minute, are they a sneaky tough out? In, uh, not in a sneaky tough out. Teams in not, the East? not a sneaky tough out. I think they are. They're going to. They're going to be annoying for. For someone to play, they're going to be annoying for Toronto or or Milwaukee. Are they the team no one wants to play? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to see them in the playoffs. What's up? Listen, it'll be the first time I think in six years. Like the crowd's going to be going. It's going to be awesome. So I'm I'm not saying I'm just saying heard her here first. The Magic not an easy out in the first round of the playoffs. They're going to get smoked if they're the seventh or eighth seed. Okay, I'm just telling you. No, right they're going to. They'll like if win. They were a game sneaky good. They wouldn't be five under. But here's the thing: it's, it's because it's they're because twenty-eight and thirty. You're right. You're right. You are a hundred percent right. But they get up for good teams. They've beaten a lot of good teams this year. The problem is they lose. Are the Celtics good? By yeah, the way? I mean, I would you, say are the are Celtics sure? are good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, listen, they beat they beat the Lakers when the Lakers weren't in free fall, or they beat them twice. I, I'm just saying. What have be they a, done against the other top teams in the East? I don't know off the top of my head. I believe you know? I don't know off the top of my head. Come I mean, on, I mean, they beat magic they beat Toronto, they beat Toronto, they beat Boston. Like Did I'm, Toronto I'm saying, have everybody who else? Or? No, so Toronto obviously they didn't have Kawhi, but that's still a good team. They're still a better. They're still on paper a better team, and it's in it's in Toronto. 
I like Orlando better than Charlotte. Does that get you excited? Oh, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. Listen, just just give me that they're the best team in the division, right? They're the best team in the division. I'll tell you what, if well, it's, Pacers, it's an all-time terrible division. We all keep waiting for the Pacers to drop, and they don't. So that'll be weird. Like eventually, you just went okay. They're going to end up at least outside of the top four, so they'd be the five seed. Um, right now, I'm just desperately trying to avoid a Pistons Pacers series in the first round, but. Uh, all right. Hey, how much did you like Markel Fultz before he was traded to Orlando? Okay, so I, it's not it's not that I it's not that I loved Markel Fultz. I like okay. I like the I like taking the chance on a guy like Markel Fultz because I don't think Orlando. I, like I said, I don't think they gave up a ton. And I think there's it's all upside. Like who cares if you lose a pick in the twenties that wasn't even your I pick? I agree. I think picks in the twenties so, are incredibly overrated. Yeah. So I mean, it's why? nice to have one, you know, but and, and, the the hit rate is so much lower than people make it out to be. And it's you're like, right. A team gets two picks in the twenties. They're like, look at us. We got two first for them. You're like, did you? Well, remember when everyone fell in love with second round picks too, when Chandler Parsons was? Well, good? that was because all the and I was sort of I I, have, I will admit I sort of fell into that trap a little yeah. bit. Um, but you're right. Sweet. We have four guys we have to cut in a year. <laughs> yeah, but you get them at less than half a million a year. Oh, but it was great. We we drafted four euros who'll never sniff the G League, but we retain their rights in case they want to come <laughs> yeah. over here when they're thirty and they fill out a little bit. That thing that was so. Oh my god, that was so overrated. Everybody kept just going for it, going for it. If I was ever a GM, every other team's gonna think they can just have my second rounders the way I've talked about them. But I will immediately pretend they're super valuable because if I ever had that job, I'd just go, well, no, 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 I didn't understand it from the outside. Now I totally get it, guys. Hinky was right. I want 10 second rounders. These are awesome. Because other teams, when they have a bunch of them, they're like, you know, we really cornered the market on second rounders, you know. And then you just go back and look at the transactions. Like, what the hell did you ever get? And I'm not saying, like, don't come back at me with the rarity, you know what I mean, the exception. So, you know what? I've already spent too much time hey, on real, that. Hey, real, real quick, because you asked me. Yes. Magic. Smash the Bucks in Milwaukee. Okay, good. Beat the Rockets. Uh, and beat the Celtics. And then obviously, and it. obviously just beat the Raptors. That's right. You were there. So listen, there's some impressive wins on there. I'm not saying they've got a lot of good resume wins if we're using NCAA, NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to the Celtics tomorrow, Portland. I'll be flying to oh, Boston tomorrow. Right. Nice. I could be on Get Up and Sports Center and Jalen and Jacoby from the East Coast all next week. The chances of me being able to figure out all that stuff and do the other stuff that I'm going back East for, a little dicey. Um, but we uh, we shall figure it out. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to roll through Bristol at some point, but I could be coming to Bristol, uh, maybe to tape a pod. But I'll be bringing my devices with me so that we're able to uh, not sexual audio. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure nobody nobody gets weirded out. But you should be just by me even making that weird joke. All right. Uh, we'll get to Zach Lowe here in a second. But you may have seen a stock rant from your boy. And I know some of you really enjoy it. And some of you want to be Wall Street schmucks. Act like you're a complete... I'm admitting to you, I don't know even the half of it. But I know when somebody says something stupid about the stock market, and that was after the Zion shoe thing, and then the... you know When you tweet out, that's a billion dollars in market cap, then you just might as well tweet out, I don't know what the hell I'm doing right now, but it just sounds really good. And I think some people, that's just... They don't, they don't care. They may understand it, but they don't care... To understand it, they just go, look at this is good content, so I'm going to tweet this stuff out because Nike stock shockingly <laughs> has recovered and is up since the Zion blown out shoe thing. And just to make an example of just how we talked about with the Lakers of playing the results, it was funny because a guy on Twitter went to me. He goes, I don't really know anything about the stock market. He goes, but it seems like every article that summarizes the day's market 
just as playing the results. And I went, you actually understand it way more than other people do. I mean, I, I could just, if I wanted to really do this, I could clip every day a different article about a different market. I could do a bigger market. I could do a specific stock. And every time, up or down, I'll give you an article that tells you why it happened after it happened. And that was always Van Gundy's thing. And we do it in sports all the time, right? Um, the Warriors, right? Why did they lose to the Cavs? Well, they ran out of gas. Well, where were you pointing out they were running out of gas along the way? Like, you couldn't do it until they had lost. Oh, you know, didn't have anything in the second half. Didn't make any adjustments. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's just hard when you're, you have a talk show or you're writing a column. It's hard to go, hey, you know what? Like, they just sort of lost. There's no reason. Like, they were better than these guys. It may not mean anything. And that's it. They lost. Like when the Lakers hit that game winner on a Thursday night TNT game in the Boston Garden, it's all right. They were down big. LeBron's back. Rondo's back. Rondo gets like, this is going to be a thing they absolutely build on. Nope. But it felt really good to break it down that way. So if you sit there and you look at the market drop 500 points in a day, you're going to go, okay, what do the articles say? Like market fears Brexit could lead to long-standing debt, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, all right, that makes sense. And then it could totally come back and be positive from the day before. So up 600 and be like, Brexit fears calm. <laughs> so that's, that's all that happens. Nike has in the last week launched a new Serena Williams campaign about women or girls specifically dreaming bigger in sports. Hey, that's really positive. That sounds really good. So because Kaepernick's hoodie sold out, does that mean why the, the stock went up? And that's my whole point of making a, a big deal out of any of that stuff, is I couldn't believe how few people actually realized that, you know, a new campaign, a new this or a new that, it's not really impacting this stuff the way that you think it is. But guys play on this, um, I guess, the naivete of, of everybody that doesn't. And again, I'm not sitting here even pretending I'm any of those guys on Squawk Box, because I'm not. I know there's so much stuff that I don't know, but it's just comical. The Adapt Basketball Shoe. Want to try to get them? They sold out. I take L's on sneakers just like you do. The sneakers app, by the way, is like a girlfriend that you still like. She's your ex-girlfriend, but she butt-dials you like once a week drunk, and you think she actually meant to call you in the middle of the night because she misses you, and she's like, I'm sorry, my phone has been acting up. I didn't want to call you. That's what the sneakers <laughs> app is like. Because you don't just lose out on the sneaker. It then screws with you for the rest of the day. It's like, wait a minute, is it not sold out? What happened here? Is it crashing? Did I get in? Did this freeze? Did my payment go through? Oh, okay, this sneaker is not interested in me. It's the exact same thing. So the shoe was having a lacing problem. They also announced a deal with some girl who's like 13. Um... The Serena thing that I mentioned. The Zion thing. Uh, what else? What else? There was like two other things that happened in the span of a few days where it's like, if you want to sell me that connection, you could do it, but you won't because that's not good for you. The Zion thing is good. The Kaepernick thing is good. If I bet, seriously, based on the Kaepernick stuff, if Nike had gone up after the Serena Williams campaign was announced, some dummy would have been like, look at this. You know, Nike just continues to just... Make sure they make the right plays here, you know, promoting Serena, promoting gender awareness, blah, 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 on and on and on. And the market has reacted positively. And you're like, or, or the market knows that they're going to make their sales projections and surpass them. Okay. So feel free to hit us up. I really want to have David Faber on. I love him from, um, CNBC. Carlos Cantonese is terrific as well. Kramer, I don't know. He always complains about, being made fun of on Twitter. And I'm like, you know, tell me the fundamentals of the stock. I'm like, well, you know, Twitter, 
They just let kids heckle you on there. You're like, okay, great. So you get heckled on Twitter, so that's your buy or sell advice to me? Like, that doesn't do me any good, all right? Like, he'd be the guy that would sit there and talk about Zion Shue for the A block of his show. And I know he knows way more about finance than I'll ever know. I get that, but I'm a Faber guy. All right, enough said. Let's do another read before we get to Zach Lowe. Buy yourself something that keeps giving you awesome every single month if you want it. That's Bespoke Post Box of Awesome. A box of awesome is my favorite way to treat myself every month. And whether it's me getting ready for another cross-country trip, knowing I'm going to be living in out of hotels for the next week plus, um, the toiletry situation never seems to work out unless I go through Bespoke Post. Because I'm like, wait a minute, everything's taken care of. Even some stuff I don't use. But you know what? I can give it to a friend, a peace offering. Visit boxofawesome.com and answer a few short questions that will help them determine the boxes that fit you best. Each box goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. The first of each month, you'll receive an email with your box details. If you're not feeling that month's box, then simply skip it. Really easy. From barrel aging kits to limited edition cigars, weekender bags to classy dob kits, Bespoke Post offers essential goods and guidance for the modern man. The weekend bag is huge because you know what, dudes, late 20s, you're starting to take it a little more seriously, long weekend, maybe a year into the relationship. It's sweet if you don't have your gym bag to go away in the long weekend. I'm telling you, just invest a little bit in that weekender bag, total game changer. She may not even like you, and then she's like, I can't believe this guy has like that canvas leather combo. Yep, there you go, modern man. Here's the deal. Receive 20% off your first subscription box. Go to boxofawesome.com. Enter the code Rosillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Code Rosillo for 20% off your first box. Bespoke post, themed boxes for guys that give a damn. Okay, really excited. Got about a half hour here with one of the best basketball guys going from the Low Post Podcast. It's Zach Lowe. It's kind of funny to have you on this soon after I just did an hour plus with, with Simmons, but being out here and... And looking at how this LeBron story goes, like where do you think this will go if they miss the playoffs? And really, it's the first taste of this for LeBron in a really long time. Like, how do you think this Lakers story is going to go end of the year and through the summer if they miss out? I think, I mean, if I had to guess, all the all the predictable directions we would think, right? Luke is out, um, and they spend July searching like hell for a star free agent to go there and trying like hell to trade the young guys for Anthony Davis again and build a new team around LeBron. I mean, you know, maybe there's other directions that happen, but if they miss the playoffs, I don't see status quo run it back for next season as a a thing. Yeah, you know what's kind of funny about that too is that you you sit there and, you know, from the outside, you'd be like, oh, LeBron's calling all the shots, but then – they're sensitive to that, both LeBron and the team. They're like, look, he's not he's not doing everything here. But if they do miss out on everything, then we're going to be sold it even more. That Like, hey, it's not LeBron's fault they couldn't bring anybody in here. And I don't know that there are a lot of options. I imagine if Anthony Davis oh, signed up with Clutch, he's open to the idea of going to L.A. So I, I can't really close the door on that one because Boston has its own challenges that we'll get to here in a little bit. I have to think that as of today, still that Anthony Davis would prefer to play with LeBron and play with the Lakers. And if that happens, then everything's fine. And if it doesn't, then it's it's game on because it's going to be really hard to figure out something else that makes them really competitive. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of the more popular sort of parlor game questions and games you play with NBA executives right now is like, okay, so who, who's going there? If not, if not AD, then who? Who is the star free agent that's going there? Is it, you know, and people like to rip off their names. So, yeah, I mean, their future is, 
you know, there is a world, I guess, in which they miss the playoffs, but they finish semi-strong. Let's say they finish 500, and, and LeBron plus the young guys doesn't seem like a bad way to go. It just doesn't – that doesn't seem plausible right now for for whatever reason. Where are you with Luke, just as a coach in general? I think Luke's a solid coach. I mean, I don't know that we have evidence otherwise. I think he's a good coach. You know, defensively, they've been up and down – uh, they were much better than expected last season. To me, when I watch them, I don't know how you feel, but I, they just, to me, are a team with no identity on either end of the floor. And I, I think the blame for that goes everywhere. I think it goes in every direction. It goes to LeBron. It goes to the sort of cultural disconnect that has happened with that team even predating the AD trade talks that got so public, I think some of it has to go on the coach. I mean, even if, even if there is all this melodrama on the team, even if LeBron brings all of this stuff that seems to happen to his teams, you still have, you know, as a coach, it's your job to be a strong enough personality to craft an identity. So, you know, some of it's on Luke, but I, you know, I, I think Luke's a pretty solid coach who will have no problems getting another job if, if indeed he needs one. Sometimes I think, it's really hard to do things like, especially if you're new, right? This is a new roster with young guys playing with one-year veteran guys, you know, one-year contracts that are dinged at some point in their career to end up on just a one-year deal around, you know, what is still considered the best player in the league. We can get into, you know, how great he is night in and night out, but, you know, just kind of his standing where he's at. And then I'll think about, you know, Boston having, okay, this is who we are for a couple of weeks. Up, oh, we're missing this guy now, or we're trying to bring this guy back. Houston's going through that. You know, Utah's had that a bit. And then you have a team like Oklahoma City where it's been pretty standard throughout the entire year. Like, okay, these are our five guys, and these are our eight guys, and this is our closing group, except for, you know, maybe one piece every now and then. Most teams deal with these injuries. I feel like the Lakers, it's not just LeBron missing that time. It's Rondo having two different spells. Lonzo, as he was coming back. Like, I still feel like... The bad part of this is that they haven't consistently been the same eight to nine guys that you would want for a long stretch. And I know most teams do have to deal with that, but I think that plays into people questioning Luke all the time, where if I were Luke, I'd be like, well, dude, what do you want me to do? The roster's very different, and I don't know that I've consistently had six weeks of having the same guys out there. Yeah, the suspensions early on kind of disrupted their rhythm at a very bad time, you know, when they really needed to start learning how to play with each other. And then, you know, look, it's, it's like, you know, we saw how they tried to rationalize it. They did uh, they, how they tried to rationalize JaVale McGee and Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo. Like LeBron, LeBron wants more playmakers. LeBron doesn't, LeBron want, doesn't want to post up all the time. He wants guys who can make plays and run with him. I'm like, it just never made any sense. Like it's, it's a shock to zero people who know the league that those signings have not worked out. And I think one of the interesting things about this recent, you know, the loss to New Orleans, the loss to Memphis is like Kuzma and Ingram are carrying their weight more than, more than carrying their weight. Lonzo's hurt. And, you know, to me, Josh Hart falling out of the rotation or to the fringes of it is strange. I know he hasn't lit the world on fire, but he fits the profile of the kind of player that you want to have around Braun. And it's not like Contavious Caldwell Pope and these other guys I just mentioned have, have outplayed him. But, like, the young guys are carrying their weight. It's these other guys that just haven't played well, and it's, like, not shocking that they haven't improved great fits around LeBron. Their narrative and their rationalization never made any sense and didn't give you a whole lot of faith for, like, LeBron as a team builder. Okay, just out of nowhere here, because it doesn't even have to be a good team, but who's your favorite team in the West right now to watch? To watch? Yeah, think about right, how we do the Warriors pass, right? Yeah. Huh? No, but you know how, like, league pass works, and then you start to realize, like, 
it's almost like when you're single and you start thinking like, am I kind of into this person? Like I find myself <laughs> having these moments where I go, wait, I have, I have Houston on, but I could watch Sacramento instead right now. And it's happened a couple times now in the last few weeks where I've gone, wow, look at me. I'm watching Sacramento again. And they're winning. They're you winning. Stole, the you stole my, you stole my answer. That was going to be my off the beaten path answer. Sacramento. Um, and you know why Sacramento has been fun to watch is, is for me more like Fox has been fun to watch the whole year and he'll does what he does. And it's fun to watch I, th- the emergence of Bagley. And particularly when they play Bagley and Giles together, I want to see every second of it. I want to see how it looks, how it works, try to project it forward when they do it for longer minutes against better teams. But Bagley, I mean, Ryan, you know, I don't watch a lot of college ball. So like everything I heard about Bagley from the NBA scouts and people, um, whose job it is to draft people made me, well, I just kind of assumed I wouldn't like him because all I heard was low motor, big guy who can't shoot very well, doesn't play defense, doesn't protect the rim. And yeah, other than the that. A couple of times I saw, yeah, well, and I remember, <laughs> oh, so you, just, so you picked him second. Okay. And then I watched him play the first couple of weeks of the season. I'm like, oh, this guy can like face up and do some stuff off the dribble. He's just, he's good, man. That dude is good. I like watching him play. You know what's funny about Bagley is that there are there are players in the past where I'll watch them in college and I'll just you know getting ready for the draft because you know I am into it that I'll think oh wait like this isn't this isn't gonna work because okay this is working in college but this isn't gonna work here I think the guy I'm most I'm sorry that I'm taking a second here to stall because I want to remember I think it was Chris Singleton who I'd watched in college and thought. Oh, you know what? And he was, yeah, right. Let me just double check here. Yeah, right. So he's at Florida State. State. Yeah, at Florida State, he was he was big, and he was kind of like this big wing. And look, he he went 18th overall, so it's not like he went top five. But I remember just watching him going like, I don't think any of this stuff is going to work. I don't think any of this is going to matter. And Bagley was so dominant around the rim that at times I'd think, oh wait, though, like is he just getting away with this stuff? And here's the thing: in the NBA, he's still able to do it. Like he's that big and physical and the footwork's pretty good. His hands pretty good. And yeah, he doesn't have an outside shot. So you get scared of any guy that can't stretch the floor a little bit now because you want at least one through four to be able to shoot. But his dominance did translate because he actually was, he was dominant in college. And instead of being like, Oh no, he's just going to be able to get away with this in college and never be able to get with this and the way with this in the pros. Like we saw like other teams have had a real problem just getting him out of there. And it's also leading to, I think some kind of funny, like I was reading Dave Yeager, buddy healed turmoil on how he's using the lineup. And that's because Sacramento has almost too many guys now to close games. Like this is incredible. Yeah. And Bagley is a monster athlete. His second jump is ridiculous. Um, he, when he decides to play with force and lower his shoulder on, you know, when he's driving baseline and he needs to carve out a little space under the rim to finish, he just knocks dudes out of the way. And I think he will be able to shoot. Like he made another three last night. He looks comfortable shooting to the point that you can project two years out when it's really going to matter. I could see him being a decent three point shooter. Like I, he, he, I, 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 w- I had low expectations for him based on what people were telling me and what kind of player prototype he supposedly was, but he, he's got he's got a lot of game. I like him and Giles. I just I just like watching Giles play. Big guys who can pass. You know, I'm a sucker for big guys who can pass. Yeah, that makes sense too. I and mean, uh, you just always root for a guy like Giles anyway, um, 
because of, of where he was, the neighborhood he lived in. And certainly he feels like he's in that neighborhood of these guys. So it's not like a lack of confidence whatsoever. It's just him kind of getting back to where he was. But yeah, all right. So we ended up having the same answer there. I love that Utah OKC game the other night. Westbrook fouls out. Paul George is the game winner. You know, we've seen a return of Donovan Mitchell, I think, to the Mitchell that we'd expect. But there's still moments where I don't know if it's just because I'm too enamored with who they were last year and, and beating, I think, a Thunder team that didn't really fit, even though so many of the pieces are similar. They fit much better now. They all kind of understand each other better. I think that's a big reason why I like the Thunder so much more this year in the West. But if we just focus on the Jazz, I normally don't like a team that has kind of one everything-falls-apart score, but we've seen it work with them. So I don't know. Maybe I'm holding out hope or I'm holding them too high of a standard and standings-wise not that far off. But where do you see that team right now? Yeah, something just hasn't felt like it's clicked into place for them for like any extended stretch this year, right? I mean, they've had some injuries, so guys have been in and out of the lineup, like Rubio was in and out of the lineup, and Exum obviously has been out for a while now. But they just haven't – it just doesn't feel like they've gotten totally on course at both ends of the floor at the same time for any more than three or four games at a time. Like, their defense hasn't been consistently as good as it, as it was last year. I mean, by the numbers with Gobert on the floor, it's still unbelievable. But it just – you don't – they just haven't had a stretch where it's like, oh, my God, they're they're just destroying – they're smothering teams. And then offensively – it just kind of comes and it, it just hasn't – their turnovers, they're turning the ball over more than they did last year. It just kind of felt like it hasn't clicked into place for them, and they're still really good. But I agree with you. I was thinking about that series yesterday, talking to a couple people and because they had just played, and it's so funny. Like, they won that series, and I picked them to win that series. They would just feel like massive underdogs in a sequel for some reason, and, and part of the reason is Oklahoma City really has clicked, and they just kind of Utah's good, but it just something's a little bit missing. I can't put my finger on what it is. No, and Gobert was was kind of all over the place in that game. Like, there's certain moments with him where I think like oh, you need to be stronger with the ball, and then there's other moments where you're like, okay, even though none of this is showing up, he's deterring everybody's thought process from being around there, you know, like there's less of an attack on him. And then other nights I wonder, okay, you know, is he, would he be able to stay out there if it were Golden State in a seven game series? Would he be able to stay out on the floor? Would, would Golden State try to find a way to get him off of there? Or were they, you know, as we've seen against Golden State, some teams just leave the big out there and see if it works. And like Tristan Thompson is the best example of that ever because at one point it was devastating to Golden State. And then the other time they couldn't even play him against him. And it's the same dude. Um, so sometimes these, these things have a way, you know what I mean? Like they have weird flows yeah. where it's like, okay, even though it's the same person, it's not going to work this time. Um, and you know, and then Portland sitting there on the fourth seat who we constantly, I know you've been big on, on CJ lately, but they're always overlooked, but probably rightfully so. Like, I don't know that I should look at them more, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're, they're good. They're just, a, they're a rock solid team. Um, and they would push back at the idea that they've they've underachieved in the playoffs because they would say, well, we lost to the Warriors twice. And but you know, last year was last year they just got worked. I mean, they got worked. They looked small and intimidated and disorganized. And they're still small. They're always going to be small given the way they've built that team. And I do think some skepticism about how they are going to fare in the playoffs is fair. But, you know, I wrote this earlier in the season. I was out in Portland for a week. Like, I, I really thought that sweep might break their team. I, I, it was so bad and so embarrassing, and, and, and they fell apart so horribly that I don't know that a lot of teams are able to essentially bring back the same group of guys 
and be this good and sort of this smooth and this coherent. I think that's a tribute to Dame and Terry Stotts and Neil Olshay and what they've built out there. They're rock solid. But, yeah, I mean, if they get if they get worked in the first round again, I think you got to start making some hard choices. Yeah, and they always get annoyed whenever they hear that. And I get their point of it. Like, wait a minute, so we really like our backcourt. We think we have one of the best backcourts in the NBA, but we're supposed to just trade it because it hasn't worked out yet because we haven't been able to get past Golden State. And you're right. I mean, last year was embarrassing, but that Pelicans team really put it together. I mean, they were incredible over that series. I think the cool thing about Lillard is that I know LeBron has wanted to make this work. Hey, force your way out. And Lillard's come out saying, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. It reminds me a little of Pierce. I'm going to name drop a little here. But I was going into the L.A. Live studios to do Van Pelt show. This is a massive sentence of name dropping, Zach, so I apologize. And as I was watching the pre- name drop, name drop, go for it. Right. Well, look, it's part of the story and it's funny. So I was watching the pre countdown stuff and it was Chauncey, it was Pierce Beetle, obviously hosting it. And Pierce, they were going like, Hey, when you want it out. And he's like, what do you mean when I want it out? He's like, I never asked for a trade. I never asked for a trade. And I remember interviewing Pierce in Boston when that happened. He goes, you know, I just didn't want to be like other dudes and it all worked out, whatever. So when I walked in to the green room where they were watching games, I drove up from my house to do later, you know what I mean? So I had to be in the car. And I was like, Chauncey, I was like, he never asked for a trade. He never asked for a trade. And Chauncey just looks at me and goes, yeah, publicly. (laughs) So he just, and Pierce looks and starts laughing and there is this thing now, I think, where there's this massive, and Lillard's example, this this massive appreciation for any superstar that just goes, hey, I'm going to keep trying to hammer away at it up here, and I'm not going to force my way out, even though so many other players would love if Lillard did that so they could play with him. Yeah, and look, I mean, part of it is I think he really likes Terry Stotts. I think he likes the front office. He likes the city, and he has confidence in those people to continue to at least try to figure out how to build a team around him. And they're good. It's not like they're bad. They're good. And so, you know, I get it. And I do, I've said this before, like um, there, there is, I think, I, I think there's a reason why all of us who love the NBA and I include, you know, fans, people on Twitter or whatever, like that 2011 Mavericks team, I think has a special place in recent NBA history, people love it. People never get tired of hearing stories about it. People love Dirk. And I think it really is because Dirk stuck it out there. And that title, fair or not, I, I think it means more to Dirk's legacy. And I think it means more to sort of agnostic NBA fans, not Mavericks fans, but like fans of the game, because he stuck it out there. And they, they he found a way to win there. And I think if that ever happened for Dame in Portland, I think that's worth like two championships that there's I'm not saying it's better or worse or whatever but for whatever reason in fans memory I think those titles matter a little bit more yeah that that would make sense all right let's go to the east and I felt that the best version of Philly may be the best team we haven't seen it yet and I don't know if the Harris thing is just going for it or insurance against knowing they don't want to keep Jimmy there long term so I'll start there. I don't want to. I don't want to ask a bigger question here. Let me just start with Philly. Your impressions of what they are, who they'll be this summer. Uh, they're good. All those all those top teams are good. I think they're still trying to figure out a little bit how all the pieces fit and what their rotation should be, and whether getting Tobias means that they should you know change the way that they stagger Embiid and Simmons minutes. But they're good. Their depth is still a problem. They're still trying to figure it out and and figure out how switchable they are on defense. And 
you know, it hasn't always been smooth, but they got a couple of weeks here, and obviously Joel's health is everything. And in the summer, I mean, you know, they keep saying, we're bringing all of them back. We'll pay all of them. We'll max both Jimmy and Tobias. And and I just, you know, I think the playoffs will have a lot to do with how possible that is and, and how willing they are to do that and how willing those two other guys, because there, there are a lot of teams around the league who think both of them are gettable, not just not just Jimmy, but Tobias too. Yeah, it depends on what the number is for Tobias. And if they try to come in low on the number for Tobias, then, you know, we, we know what the rules are here. It's, it's not, is this player worth it? It is, how am I going to spend this cap space that I'm not going to have next year? So I can I see think Harris. Tobias is getting a max, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. somewhere someone is giving him a max. So it's max There's or too much not. Cap like, that's their choice. There's too much cap room out there, and I think there's a team right now that's saying we never pay Jimmy Butler this much money that may end up paying Jimmy Butler that much money and going, ah, screw it, like we had to do it. And that's, you know, I always think it kind of gets to that Kemba conversation. I was watching Kemba again last night, and I go, he is so good at creating space. So the way, way the game is officiated, like there's not really much you can do with him. His, his quickness in every direction is as impressive, I think, as anybody. I'm not just talking like end-to-end, but any direction he wants to go in, and I'd still sit there as a GM going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to pay him all this money. But I can understand why somebody would because they go, there's, there's nothing else we can do right now. He's 29. He's small. That makes me nervous. Dude, that dude is so good. And they have, just in relative terms, you know, the drop-off from him to the next best guy on the oh. team is just as big as it gets in the league. I mean, he just has nothing to work with around him. No, that would be a great quote because I've always thought that between he and then Lamb – like who's how big is there another team that has that big of a gap between its best player and its second best player? And that Lamb's coming tough. off the bench now. Like Lamb is so not even clearly their second best player that they're like, yeah, maybe let's let him. Maybe he can you know prop up our bench that's not performing well. Like I don't even know who the second best player on their team is. There were people who would say it's Cody Zeller. I have no you know who knows. Zeller's hot right now. He did, he did go off last night. Yeah, he went um, off last night against the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jimmy, despite Philly saying they're not going to bring back all four guys, are they? You know, I mean, they when when front office people say publicly, which Elton Brand I believe has, that our owners have greenlit a tax bill. I think that means the owners have greenlit a tax bill. I, I don't think you say that unless it's true, or at least the owners are allowing you to say it. So I think it then comes down to, well, A, how do we do in the playoffs? B, are all those guys happy? And C, do we have faith that Butler and Harris are trade assets on those contracts if and when it comes to that in two or three years? And, you know, we don't know where the cap is going to be in three or four years, but I think Tobias you could look at and say, yeah, you know, if we lock him into a 30% max, he's only 26 or whatever he is, like that should be, that should be movable. Jimmy is a harder conversation. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if Jimmy, the reason we saw Jimmy be his best was when it was Rose looked at the time washed or, you know, it's great that Rose has turned this thing around a little bit and has had the year that he's had. But at the time, I was always team Jimmy because I go, the other guy still thinks he's the best player and he isn't and Butler's better and Butler takes his shots and makes them and then Rose is annoyed. So, like, we kind of... Like, I just look at Jimmy Butler now and I go, maybe I just really loved him on a marginal team getting huge numbers. And because he played defense and because he's a fighter, I'm like, okay, he's competitive. And the two teams since that 
he hasn't fit. And now I look at him differently as, as a personality fit that's tough to plug in. And from a basketball fit, it's, it's a bit outdated with him. And maybe I'm overreacting too much to him not fitting in with Philly so many nights, Zach, but there, I think there's just less teams that would look at him and go, yep, absolutely. Even though, as I mentioned before, he might end up becoming plan C for a team with max money that says, screw it, we'll get him. I think that's fair. I mean, I think he fit in Minnesota as a player and played a really well for them last year and was the single most important reason by the, in them being good. Personality-wise, obviously, <laughs> that went that went the other way. The Philly thing, it's interesting because, you know, he if you have Simmons and Embiid on the floor, he's going to get the ball maximum the third most amount of seconds, touches, whatever. And in theory, he has the skill set to – really be great in that role. He's a good spot-up three-point shooter. He's an elite defender. He can bail you out of possessions, run some pick-and-roll, all of that. But then it just becomes a matter of, like, you know, is do we pay the max for that, for the third most touches on the team? Do you pay the max? Oh, yeah, we can stagger our minutes, so he's the alpha dog in a lot of lineups. So, oh, but we just got Tobias Harris, too. It's like, I just... You pay four guys the max, and unless you're the Warriors and you have guys who are totally fine working off the ball, who literally are, or in Draymond's case, are fine averaging seven points a game, like it's just hard to make that work. And I wonder too if the ownership is maybe that's just tactical. You know, you sit there and you go, "Hey, let's just tell everybody they're getting their money, so they don't have to worry about it." And then, you yeah, know, if somebody wants to say we went back on our word before, but we did it at least for the sake of being competitive and not having distractions. So we just, here's the plan. Everybody just say we're maxing everybody. Everybody shut up. Stop asking us. And then we'll worry about it when we actually have to do it. By the way, know. can you imagine if one of these four teams that everyone has penciled into the second round doesn't make it out of the first round? Can you okay, well, who, like everyone's who is that, writing man? off, everyone's writing off Indiana, who's still third. And I get why everyone's writing them off, but they're still third. They're still really good. They're a pain in the ass to play against. Can you imagine what a catastrophe it would be it would be if one of these teams, whether Indiana beats them or they end up in a four or five series and one of them loses? Like, oh my God. I'm with you. I have I'll admit to and apologize to Pacers fans. I expected it to be over. I looked at it again this morning. I think they've won eight of their last nine. Their defense remains consistent. Um they've they've figured out a way which I kind of like because I felt like I always liked Nate McMillan and then a lot of people just dumped on it because they go, oh, it's outdated, you know, the wrong kind of guy. And for whatever reason, like, they've gone toughness, defense, and finding ways to make it work every night. I keep expecting it to go away, and it hasn't. So I know that's annoying to Pacers fans. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. But, you know, I think this leads us into Boston, then we'll go back to the top two teams in Milwaukee, Milwaukee Toronto. I never should ever use this as an example of, oh, I can't believe Celtics fans. Because, look, they're all emotionally involved in this whole thing. But I can't believe Celtics fans that are my friends or I interact with that are going, you know, don't write them off. And I'm like, how at this point could you have any faith in them figuring this thing out? Maybe it happens. But so far, I don't really think there's been much evidence, even when they had a really good stretch, say, December 1 on, because they lose to some awful teams, even with a full roster, and it just doesn't make any sense. So it's hard for me to think about them getting past Milwaukee, Toronto, or even Philadelphia, who they do match up with well. I just, I've watched them too much, and I haven't liked it. Yeah, they've had, I mean, we don't need to go, they've had a very strange season, and every time you're ready to write them off, they, they rise up and beat the Sixers, and every time you're ready to say, okay, they found it, they're great, um, they lose to the Bulls. I, I just... The reason why you can't give up on the Celtics, and I actually agree with your friends, um, 
to not not that they're going to win the East because they Brady can't write the them Super off. Bowl? Um, are is just when Horford plays like he has in the last month, and he's been a monster in the last three weeks. They, you said they match up well with with Philly. They can they match up well with everybody. Like that that game right after the All Star break in Milwaukee that they almost won without Hayward, who was surging before then. Yep, is like Horford at center and a bunch of big wings and one and and a point guard who can do what Kyrie can do like. That's a formula to be a pain in the ass to everyone. And it's it, it, as long as Horford plays like that, they have access to that formula, they, they, they're going to be a problem. Yeah, the Milwaukee game was could have gone either way. But I, I just feel like watching those four teams, even though it hasn't been great for Philly all the time, I let myself daydream with them, and I don't let myself daydream with Boston, and I don't have to daydream with Toronto or Milwaukee. I don't care about Toronto's past playoff failures. It does not matter to me at all when Kawhi is there. And if you want steady, I think this, the argument, even though Toronto's had some really nice wins when pieces are missing, but Milwaukee's been steadiest throughout this entire thing. I know exactly what they are. What's the downfall to Milwaukee then? Instead of just talking about the same things that we both know are consistent and how great Giannis is, what do you think the concerns are for them? Yeah, I mean, they've been the best team, period, in the East, and it, I don't think it's even been close. I mean, everyone, when you ask that question, everyone would immediately point to Lopez and say, well, they're going to get in a series with a Horford at center, or, you know, and, and really there aren't that many teams who fit that description, really, where Lopez's defense and the way they have him playing is going to be a liability. I don't think that's really borne out on the floor. And, in fact, when you look at Embiid and Gasol slash Ibaka, I don't think there are that many matchups that trouble Milwaukee in that way. I think you'd have to look other places like, okay, so if you can, if you have the, the one defender on your team who can at least make Giannis work for it, and I think Horford showed in that game that he can be that defender, then it, their offense, it's, it just gets a little harder for them to create just the easy threes and dunks they've been living on all season. And the other argument is like their second best player is Chris Middleton. And you just rarely win a championship when your second best player is not a top 15 player in the NBA. Yeah. I was really weirded out when it looked like Middleton was maybe going to win the MVP of the all-star game. <laughs> all he just star, yeah, he's crazy. He's right. Great. Chris is really good. No, he's a, re- he's a really good player. Other teams over the years, like some of the stuff I've heard offered for Middleton, I feel like people have kicked the tires on Middleton with real legitimate offers, you know, and it just, didn't make a lot of sense, and he wasn't, you know, any of these guys that you're trading for, you're always going to figure out, like, is he an easy guy to plug in, or is he a tougher guy to plug in? And Middleton, I think, would plug in anywhere. You were really, I think, good on the Budenholzer thing, saying, like, before it even happened, I always thought you were terrific in giving us an idea of, okay, this is how it's going to work. And just to say, hey, spread it, let Giannis do his thing, may sound like an easy principle, but what do you see from them and how they've really overhauled this to make them not just a really good player, you know, that's dangerous, our team that's dangerous some nights with a really good player to maybe the best player in the league and the favorites come out of the East? Yeah, it's just they made it easy for him. The, the Lopez signing is just an all-time signing in terms of just bang for the buck and the way it changed the landscape of the league. No pun intended on bang for the buck, but like that to have a center who can shoot threes at a high volume, just change the geography, the geometry of the floor for them. It's just like, you just can't, there are only four or five guys in the whole league who can stay with Giannis for two dribbles and a spin and prevent him from just dunking. And 
if you have to send help and everyone that you have to send help from is a 35 to 40% three point shooter, you just have a lot of problems. <laughs> it doesn't have to be complicated defensively. You know, they've given up a lot of threes and I don't know how concerned they are about that. Um, but that's an interesting thing to watch for them too. But yeah, they just, they made Giannis's life easy, man. Okay. Last thought here. Um, how stressed are you about this MVP vote? I get stressed. I get stressed. I, know you do. I lost a lot of sleep over the Kawhi one a couple of years ago. Um, but that's because you care, I'm not, Zach. I'm not that stressed. I'm not that stressed. Um, I don't know who I'm voting for yet, but I, I, you know, I do. Don't you think it's interesting? By the way, I, I think Giannis would probably win if the vote were held today, but it would be close. I don't you think it, we're all been thinking about the Lakers recently, and you know the fact that LeBron might miss the playoffs, and you know, wow, life in the Western Conference turns out is is way harder than life in the Eastern Conference. Kind of makes you appreciate what Harden did even more this season, given the supporting cast they had when CP was hurt and Capella was hurt, and how hard it is to just win games in the West. It, it, it there was almost like it's almost like some people in the NBA, and you saw this in Windhorse piece last week. The kind of purists were like, "Oh, he's just hogging the ball. He's drawing fouls. It's gimmicky." I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? They won a lot of games with like a team that wasn't very good in a conference that." LeBron with the healthiest team of like interesting players can't win in. Like it's made me it's made me appreciate his season a lot. Yeah, if they were losing all of those games, then I wouldn't even want to hear it. I hate the fouls. I've been over this before. Um we don't we don't need to revisit this with the uh, listeners of this podcast. They're sick of me saying it all the time. But <laughs> the fact that they won and at the time when we were doing kind of our mid-season things, I still would have voted for Harden at that point. I do worry that because of some of that stuff you said, it may hurt Harden. And if it ends up, I mean, it's just realistically, he's not going to finish the, the final third of the season on that same tear. Now that Paul's back, Capella's back, and Daryl just does a good job, too. It's like it was Kenneth Reed just out there doing nothing. Okay, well, we'll get him, and we'll have him run around like crazy and switch stuff with us. And guess what? It, it works. So I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't put myself all the way in the purest thing, even though some nights I'm like, ugh. But he's... He's going to have, I don't know, I don't even know if he'll be in a position to be able to have that kind of run or it'll be, you know how it is. Like whoever finishes, however they finish. And Giannis has been in this insane tear. And then Paul George has the night he has against Utah, which is a continuation of his just ascension to a next level. I do think it's a really hard vote. And that was before, you know, Davis was never going to get it, even though I thought his numbers were insane. Um, because the team wasn't as good and nights where I think Embiid prior to this injury where he looked like he was the best player in the league. So it's an awesome, awesome race. I just wonder if Harden will have enough support at the end of the year, depending on how he looks. Yeah, I wrote this as either last week or the week before. I think PG has made it a three-man race. I, I don't think it's a two-man race and like Paul George is in the conversation and it's cute to mention his name. I think he's been so good. I mean, he's putting up 40-point 40, 40 games, game-tying, you know, game game-winning shots. Might be the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. I think it's a legit three-person. Like, I might vote for Paul George. I don't know. But, I, I, like, where are you on the – what's your latest on, like, is it two or three? Like, how serious is PG a candidate for, like, the actual MVP for you? Oh, I think he's real. Yeah, I, I totally think he's real. So I think it's three. I, I, I really do. Maybe, you know, you look, you're out there talking to writers who vote for this more often than I am. Um, so you would know better than I would, but I guess 
just the way it's you know how these things just sort of exist on their own in this premise. I always feel like he's brought up. You know, I don't I don't think this is. I think there are times where Giannis is almost forgotten too often. You know, I just meant for you personally. Is it is it a three, is, is it a three person like almost three equal participants at this point, or is it two plus? Okay, I got to consider Paul George a little bit. I just don't want to allow my annoyance of how Harden is officiated get in the way if I had a vote. You know, if I had a vote, you know, halfway through the season, I still would have voted for Harden. But that was because what he was doing was absurd, and they were still winning. And by the end of this, their seed is going to be worse than Milwaukee's, and Giannis will stay on this path probably the entire time because he is their necessity guy, where I think Chris Paul, the way he looked in that Lakers game, even though they blew that game, like that was a really good sign. I was like, oh, wait a minute, here we go. Like Chris Paul is starting to look like Chris Paul again because he didn't look like that when he first came back. So this is a really long-winded answer, and I know you want to go, so I'll just shut up now. Um, I do think it's no, an but equal kind of here's three. the case for Harden. Here's the case. the case for Harden is like indirectly the the case I made, the what I said about Giannis. Like the Bucks built a, an ecosystem for Giannis to just go crazy and do what he does. They opened the floor completely for him, and it's it, like Houston, it did. It hasn't even mattered who's been on the floor. Like it doesn't matter if they have two guys who can't shoot threes, or one screener and three guys who can shoot threes around them, or one screener and one good shooter and two blah shooters. Like Harden just does what he does, game after game after game. It doesn't like Fareed's playing power forward now. Like that's not how they want to play, but like the guys making it work. Like that that that's an interesting contrast to me. Um, and, and obviously Houston has built that screen and dive ecosystem is built for hard and I get it, but it hasn't really existed the way that they wanted to exist this year. It's just, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, it is. Cause you don't want to be a hater and I'm, I'm like, we haven't had this talk yet, but I've done it so many times. So I don't want to delve too deep. I don't, I don't want to just be a hater. Even if I'll admit some nights where I go, all right, you know, this again. <laughs> and then I saw it live. I, and I remember somebody was like, you saw Harden live. What'd you think? I go, it's, it's boring and fascinating all at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah. it really is. Like, you see these shots he makes, and you go, what the hell? Like, what are you supposed to do with this? But then four guys watching one guy live for two and a half hours isn't awesome either. So I think both points can be true. It's going to be a really – I think it's going to be a very close vote. I'm fascinated by how seriously the voters consider PG. Uh, like, if he's a distant third or he ends up much closer than that or maybe winning it. I think it's going to be a really fun, a really fun race, and we haven't even mentioned one warrior yet, which is crazy. How it shows you how good those three guys have been. Yeah, right. I mean, if Curry doesn't miss time, then he's in it. Durant's always overlooked. Clay had such a bad start, you know. But um, anyway, hey, so the Low Post Podcast, subscribe, check out Zach if you don't already, and I really appreciate we're able to do this this season, man. So thank you, Zach. Hey, Amen. Do it again soon. Thanks, Ryan.